You're listening to Creatives Prevail, unraveling the stories of creative professionals. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Creatives Prevail. I am your host, Mike Zimmerlich, and our next guest is filmmaker John Ryan Sugimoto. In this interview, we discuss how his passion for skateboarding led to becoming a video editor and director. We also dive into what it takes to develop a short film as well as submitting to festivals. And we talk about his latest short film, Full Time. Let's get into it. Hey, John, how's it going? Thank you. Thanks. I really do appreciate coming on the podcast. Uh, I got to say, I was... Uh, I was approached by Big Picture Media, which they've been amazing. Shout out to them because they've been sending me a number of guests over the last couple of months. And I've had um, their founder, Dana, on the podcast before. And they're just an amazing team. So want to do a quick shout out to them. Always appreciate it. And they they asked me to if I was interested in interviewing you. And they sent me your short film from last year, which was uh, Gut Punch. And I got to say, I laughed <laughs> like throughout the whole thing. It was really, really amazing. I really enjoyed it thoroughly. Oh, good, good. It, ca- it came out this year, though. It came out this July. Oh, it came out this July. Oh, was- okay, so it's, it's, it's your most recent one. It's new, yeah. Wow. It's a, it's, it's fantastic. I thoroughly loved it. And I have, uh, you know, to, not to get uh, too team personal, but I have my own uh, GI issues. So I laughed hysterically because I know exactly, like, I, I, I understood everything that was going on. Yeah, I mean, that last last line in the entire film was just by Justin Wang, who's a great YouTuber, good friend of mine, um, that he says, uh, I I just heard these make you take really good shits. Like that, that is why I drink it because I have ass problems too. Mm -hmm. So we have that in common. Yeah, see, we found, we already found something in common. (laughs) brothers yeah yeah exactly uh, but um so i gotta ask you because i noticed that you've done this is uh you've done a number of short films now so can you talk about where your passion from film came from and why you started you know you're basically where you started from like where why did you want to get into the film industry there were these two so i was a skateboarder uh in high school and it just was the, like one of the best times of my life and i've had many better times but this was like an extended period of time that was like very impressionable and very uh there's a lot of discovery i made in it and it just kind of like formed a lot of who i am and so skateboarding with all these friends of mine in high school was like it was just the best and we would uh make little skate videos and uh i would film all the time however there were these two guys uh that were very young as well maybe oldest 19 youngest 17 and they were making these skate films with the same with my friends but because all my friends were way better than me and i was just kind of like around and uh they made these skate films that blew my fucking mind and every time they made one they premiered it at like the skate park and it was uh it was just this it was this thing that you waited for every year or however often they made them that was like oh my god i can't believe kids that are like a year or two years older than me are making these like these like masterpieces is what I felt like. So, I mean, I kind of saw it as like, okay, now I know it's possible. And then I was just really interested in video. So I, I ended up taking some video classes in high school and that kind of made me get really interested in the process. But then when it came to like inspiration and I started watching movies, this is when Blockbuster was around and I started going to, I don't know if they had like an indie section, they had something like that, but you could just tell like when a movie wasn't a studio movie and it was, just completely independent. And uh, I I just liked watching these weird indies and some of them changed my life in the way that I see life and art. And, and um, I think it was, I think to me, you know, the feeling that I got from movies like that was like, oh my God, this can be a movie where it's like, like, like Slacker or something like a Linklater film. That's like just people talking and walking around and there's no, you know, there's somewhat of a story, but like for the most part, it's just it's just following this this like sort of uh, uh, nebulous narrative, and I I was just really turned on by stuff like that. So um, that's kind of how I got into it. The, like those two things, like skateboarding and making videos with my with my friends, and uh, and then discovering like little films that were like outside of what my parents showed me was like just 
blew my fucking brain and it made me really excited to 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 make more more videos that had a narrative versus like the skate videos which was just you know just skating um so yeah most of that and um i i have a story actually about when i was skating with my friends like i said they're all they were all much better than me in high school we were all skating together but they were like destined to be pro or sponsor or whatever you know and um I, I I couldn't go on skate trips with them because I was just taking up a room, taking up a seat in the car uh, that could have been used by a better skater that would get like some skate clips, skate clips. And uh, so at a certain point, my mom got this really expensive camera because she always has had a camera around the house. Um, and uh, so I started stealing it and just using it. And because the filmers were flaky and they were like a little bit more grown up, they were like 1920. Um, I was always with them and I could just steal my mom's camera. And so it just kind of got me like a seat in the car to like go and hang out on these trips. Cause it's all I wanted to do. It's like, go hang out with my friends. And, uh, and then I started making little videos and then I started to get the attention that it would have been the same of like an amazing skater or, uh, or, uh, one of the other filmmakers that I mentioned before that was making the skate videos. So I started thinking like, oh my God, this is my thing. I'm not going to, I'm not going to go like, you know, backlip an 18 handrail, but I'll make you a fucking video. Like that's what I can do. So I'm, I was really, I, I just kind of started to filter in like what I can do in life and, and get appreciation for, but also enjoy doing. And, and yeah, so that was, that's like the main way that everything started for me as a young 16, 15 year old boy. So when you went to college then, because I noticed that you um, uh, went to college specifically for video editing, did you think that you were going to be specifically an editor or even at that point knew like, okay, I really wanted to, to write and direct? Uh, no, I mean, I went to film school. Well, I went to LA film school in, in Hollywood and it was, it was, uh, no, I wanted to direct at that point. That was when I was... I, I just try, you know, it's a really weird to think back when I was like uh, 18, like graduating high school, I think I was 17. And I didn't know what I wanted to do, like such a weird point in my life. I thought I wanted to be like a psychologist or, or, or uh, <laughs> weirdly enough, a stunt driver. Um, I had these two things in mind that I was just thought would be really fun. And um, so I, I, I t went to film school uh, to, to direct and I learned a lot about editing. And the only reason why was because, uh, I mean, not to sound arrogant, but like coming from like skate shops in editing, it, it just was a better editing, um, editing skill set than, you know, your standard person who's editing like a sketch or like a, a short film. Like there were just more tools that I had that I was like really excited about. So knowing like my skill set within, you know, the class of my film school, I, I clearly was just like had some editing skills that I that I was praised for. So I focused a lot on editing. And uh, and that was like also my my editing teacher in film school is Kyle Nuacek, who is uh, he created Workaholics and he's uh, he plays Carl in Workaholics. Um, since then, he's done uh, a movie with like Jennifer Aniston and Adam Sandler. And uh, he's just was the coolest guy. I thought he was like, if I could be like this guy as a director, like that's what I want to do. And uh, so uh, so editing kind of did sort of consume my learning. And there was a lot of directing learnings as well. But uh, for me, it was like, I think I found that I can like edit. And and uh, and then I went to like some summer camp for film school. And they they told me that editors make the most like out of out of uh, school. Like if you can if you can get editing work, like you, you're you're pretty set in uh, for the next few years until you can do whatever you, whatever else you want to do, like direct. That's interesting because I noticed that you right after film school that you the jobs that you were getting were film editing positions. Yeah, it's just what I was able to get like much easier than directing gigs, and uh, in a way, it kind of took a lot of uh, like while it kept me financially afloat, it took away from like me learning as a director and like, you know, pursuing directing uh, as a job as opposed to um, uh, editing. And editing is a wonderful, beautiful trap because you do, you know, it can be very lucrative, um, but it can also 
uh, if you want to be a director, can really take away from that. I don't know. I, I mean, I wouldn't change anything. I just, uh, you know, it's it's a uh, it, editing is so time consuming. The other thing I found out with editing is like, I I like working with comedians. In fact, even, you know, for the most part, all of my films have comedians in them, and I I, I just like working with them. And uh, I found that when I was in Hollywood and I was editing freelance, I was editing a lot of short films for comedians. And I thought I wanted to direct them, but then they would have someone direct them and it would be like a day or two of shooting. And then they would sit with me for like two weeks and we got to know each other and we created a relationship and a friendship that lasts a long time because of these editing sessions. I, it was actually much better for solidifying a network uh, than, than one day of, uh, you know, shooting uh, a sketch with somebody or a short film. Um, so uh, I kind of took, <laughs> I kind of took editing as this um, like really great way to get to know uh, people in a much more way, much more in-depth way. That's in- really interesting because you normally you think about that, that post work, right. Of editors. And usually, of course, the, usually the editors will work directly with the directors. But that's interesting that you were actually able to form relationships with these comedians because they were in the room with you going through these edits that are taking, you know, they're taking a few weeks in comparison to, as you mentioned, only a few days shoot. So that that's a really interesting way of of, of going about it. But that's right. It, it, like you said before, is that you can't necessarily go back and pass and say, oh, you know, which because if you did something differently, you're going to be in a different different place than you are now for better or for worse. Right. So but, you know, I'm, you know, but also to those skill sets, right, of video editing, um, you know, are, are you know, essential. And I'm sure it also has helped you with your own filmmaking, with your own films. I'm so annoying in the editing room because <laughs> I know editing. <laughs> I'm like, I'll know like specific like terms and I'll be working with the editor and I know what they can do. And if I was just editing, I can just do it in one second. And I have to, as a director, like step back and, and tell myself like, no, take 10 seconds to explain what you want. And then they'll do it in one second, but then they'll learn what you like to do. And then they'll be able to do it in one second. And you have, you build a shorthand and that's like, in the last few years, because uh, I always edited my own stuff, um, but now you know life consumes, and uh, I don't have that much time to to be the editor. And honestly, I don't even want to be like I, I like the idea of an editor bringing their own ideas um, to how something should be should be cut. Um, so yeah, I'm I you know I love editing. I think it's something I'll do uh, forever, but I love to do it way less. You know, it's interesting because film is one of those, it's a, it's a very collaborative medium, right? Because I mean, you you have other mediums too, of course, that are also collaborative, but film especially, there's so many people that are, are bringing something creative to the table to make something work. Yeah. Yeah. So I work with my editor, uh, Jamie Connors, and uh, he's such a fun guy. He's so interesting and so... Uh, uh eccentric that i honestly it's just now it's almost like an excuse just to like hang out with him like he's one of my friends we hang out too but like it's it's just like well why wouldn't i do this why would i sit alone in a dark room editing by myself when i could be having fun with jamie editing some stuff so um so shout out jamie connors so let's talk about short films because uh, I have for, uh, a number of friends who are uh, writers and directors, and I've seen them go through the process of of, of creating a short film, and it's such you know it, it's it's an enormous effort. It's a lot of effort, and I don't know how much people really realize that's outside of film on how much it takes to get a short a, you know a short film that looks you know that that is you know of quality out the door. Right. So can we can you talk a little bit more about that and uh, the process that's involved in, <laughs> in developing a short film? I know that's a big question. No, it's not. It's it's funny that you mentioned that people don't know how big it is to make a film, even a short film, because sometimes I'll have a very heavy day or a very heavy week or weeks or month and I'll just be fucking exhausted. And I'll think to myself, like, who else is doing this? Who else is killing themselves? Like this is insane that anyone does this. And for a second, you feel like the only you're the only person in the world that does it. And then you realize, you know, everyone's <laughs> everyone's, you know, killing themselves over it. And and I I I I mean, anyone that makes something, 
this is why like I go to film festivals a lot and you know there's a lot of bad films out there that are playing next to my stuff and not that I'm saying I'm the best filmmaker but I'm like I know I didn't do that I know whatever that film is I didn't I know I didn't do that and I made a million decisions to make sure it didn't become that and um so I, I I'm really uh yeah I just try to like be really careful about every little decision uh for a while and and honestly it kind of consumes my brain like everyone that I hang out with I'm so annoying because that's it's kind of all I talk about um only because I mean if we hang out and then we hang out in another another two days um so much has changed from the project because that's all I'm you know I have to be extremely kinetic about about progress in every project especially if I'm in the thick of it and uh so next time I meet up with somebody I'm like this is what's happening with the character I've changed this now their job is this or now it's you know now this person is uh whatever and uh I it does consume and if you I think if you do it right it should consume your entire fucking life I think that is very fair to say about filmmaking especially I think I think because because filmmaking is something that even if you're not one, you can feel like you know so much about it because you watch a lot of movies. Um, I can still, as a filmmaker on the inside, talk to someone who's not a filmmaker on the outside and they can give me a movie reference. They can give me a lot of, you know, movies are out there. Movies are, I I want to say like one of, one of like five things that people do, like, the common thing that people do. I mean, how big is Netflix or Hulu? Like, right. you know, th these, this, this is like the main thing that people do is they consume, uh, uh, you know, movies or, or TV shows. So yeah, I mean, I, it filmmaking absolutely consumes my life and it's, it's a thing where I, I have to schedule downtime while I'm making something. And sometimes I can't, but um, I really try to give myself once a week to just, kind of go off the grid and erase my brain and go think of something else. And, and, uh, um, you know, my lens is still my, 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 uh, yeah, my lens is still seeing, I'm still seeing the world within my project and I'm thinking about my project, but I'm not talking about it. I'm not, I'm trying to talk about other stuff, about other stuff and, and about, uh, you know, something else. And with the ulterior motive that maybe it'll come back around and benefit this project I'm working on. And, um, you know, it's honestly, it's, it's a selfish medium to choose this. Um, but it, but it really, you know, at the end of the day, I really hope that I am bringing joy to the world by making some, some funny stuff. Um, but you're right, man, you know, making shit it's, it's, I don't know how people do it and I don't know how, uh, I know how I do it but I just don't know how people do it. And I don't know, especially how people do it extremely well. Um, and uh, I hope that someone would be saying that about my stuff, but I am saying that about my idols, about how, like, I don't know how, I don't know how you make, you know, uh, uh, I'm just saying it cause I was just watching it. Magnolia, like, like the PTA movie. Mm -hmm. I don't know how you watch. I don't know how you make something like that. That's, that's incredible um now maybe i can sit down and like actually figure it out but right now in my how i'm thinking it's like I, I don't know how you write some shit like that that's that's like you're tapping into something you know yeah but also too i mean it's, it takes a lot more resources <laughs> to to when you go from you know to do a feature but even with a short film though there's so i mean it's not even just your time but it, you're talking about you know having a team you're talking about casting in a crew the the expenses that are involved, even for a short film. I mean, you know, that, that can easily be in the tens of thousands uh, for just a, even a, doing a, you know, a, you know, five, 10 minute, 10 minute, 15 minute short film. It's, it does take quite a bit to make something like that happen. I think if you're doing something right and it's like a standard project, there's no niche like, oh, we're shooting this on an iPhone or we're shooting this all uh, in, in one day um, with uh, no lighting. Like if it's not a niche thing like that, uh, I mean, for me, I, I feel like unless I'm making like a little like TikTok sketch, uh, you know, I think it should cost 
a, g- a good amount if you want to pay your crew right um yeah. and uh now don't get me wrong i've made the one two thousand dollar films in the past but um you know those didn't come out as well i guess me as a director like me i i have like a minimum budget now that i like to work with and uh it's just what makes everyone comfortable because really I'm, I'm just looking out for the crew like i don't get paid for my short films i get paid in like you know um accolades and 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 uh, uh i get meetings to do a bigger project and, and things like this so um so yeah i mean I, I like to take care of the crew for sure and 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 make them comfortable but um yeah sorry did you was there a question that i didn't answer no no you're good like I, we're, we're, okay. we're going we're flowing right now uh if you I, I was curious though like it do uh do you self-fund your films or do you find funding elsewhere because you know sometimes when th- people think about that num you know that number you know, that, that could be very daunting. So do you just, do you save up for your films or is it combinations of things? So I save up, um, uh, a good amount. And then I ask friends and family for money and then, uh, whatever I don't have from the projected budget, I will, uh, crowdfund. That's like how I've done my short films. And, uh, however, I'm kind of working on this, this feature now, and this, that's probably going to be I mean, I would assume that it's going to be either like, I guess it, I, I don't know, but I think it would be like either a private investor or maybe like a very small studio film. Um, but uh, so going forward, it's going to be a little bit different. But um, I think you kind of pay your dues. And you, listen, if you think about, okay, if you want to get repped by, you know, WME or, or something like that, um, you can't buy that. But if you could, and it costs $50,000, to get repped by WME, wouldn't you save that up and do it? Right? Wouldn't you try to do that? All right, so if you just think about taking that 50 grand and putting it into one or two short films or three, whatever you wanna do, and then using those as proof of like skill or voice or whatever, um, then then that gets the attention of, of them. Like that's the same idea. So, really you kind of are just buying people's attention by creating these projects that would get their attention. And if you think about it, just in a transa- a transaction like that of like, Hey, WME, here's 50 grand. Can you pay attention to me? And them saying, yes, like that's essentially what it is. And, but it's, you know, a much drawn, more drawn out process. So, I mean, I think it's worth, I think it's worth spending whatever you can on uh on on films only if you think it's going to change your fucking life (laughs) that's the only reason it would make sense (laughs) do not spend that much money if you have this little idea that you don't know like don't spend that just do one that you think is going to change the goddamn world you know that's a good way of looking at it on both fronts of doing it only if you feel like you're really going to make a difference but then on top of that as well is is you it's it's literally your portfolio that's what you're doing you're building your portfolio so that you have a showcase of work to to show to show a rep or a studio whatever the case is this is this is my talent this is my skill sets so you know it's the same you know it's very similar to if you were going to if you're doing any kind of craft right it takes an investment of time and, and money to develop that and to showcase and what you are able to do mm-hmm. yeah yeah and for the most part, like, uh, like crowdfunding stuff is 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 difficult, but it's possible. For my first, uh, not my first, um, for my my film called Full Time, mm-hmm. uh, that one, uh, I had it in my mind to if I just created a following on TikTok, and then I asked them for money, then I would be able to fund the film. And uh, I funded a, a very good amount of the film from building a following on TikTok. Wow. That's amazing. It took me like six months to get a following going. And it's not even that big of a following, but it's it was enough to to get some donors. And uh, and it was it was great. It was, it, you know, you got to really find your way in. And it's, there's really no there's no roadmap. You can you could literally just make it up um, and and just use your imagination to as if you were like drawing a cartoon, like you can draw anything you want. You can draw any way that you want. You can make money to, to save for this film. Um, except for lying. Don't lie and say you're dying and do a GoFundMe. Um, and if you are dying or and if you do do that, then make sure you die uh, when you say <laughs> you're going to. 
Outside of that, though, um, you know, I think that's a great idea. I mean, I've I've done a number of crowdfunding campaigns before and have been. You know, it's very very hard to do, but I've seen I've gone through. You know, been assisted uh, both uh, musicians and filmmakers and all kinds to to crowdfunding campaigns, and it definitely is is a, a very uh, can be definitely a good way of of strategizing on how to fund. But I found really interesting is that you were using TikTok to develop that audience to then promote your crowdfunding campaign through. So can you talk about what kind of video content that you put out on TikTok? Um, well, I started, I was in a huge creative rut. I was coming, it was, I was kind of coming out of COVID, like actual uh, lockdown to where you, like you could go to a restaurant, but you had to like wear your mask and like, there was only like four people there cause that's all they could allow, whatever. Like it was around that time. And I actually had COVID, I think it was like during Christmas. And uh, I just made a sketch talking to myself back and forth. And then that one like got some views. And then I had this idea that like, cause I always wanted to make full time. Uh, and I was like, wow, maybe, maybe I can like, I saw people like doing other crowdfunding thing like that had huge followings. So it was like a crazy idea, but I was like, if I could just get a few tens of thousands of followers, like a thousand people will donate. And if they all donated like five bucks, 10 bucks, like that's a good amount of money to make a film. So, um, so I, that was just kind of like the weird idea. And so the type of content I started making was, uh, uh, I, I started this series. <laughs> I started this series is called the Thinky series. And it's really just, have you seen them? No, I haven't actually. Okay, so it's just it's just me standing there and staring at something and thinking about whatever and you just hear my inner monologue and that's really it. But the way that I wrote these was essentially like stand-up jokes where you say something kind of crazy like a like a hot take or but you do it in with like a as like a premise, it has to be a good premise and then you spend the rest of the video sort of backing it up. So they're really just these like 30-second videos of me saying like uh stuff like i think jesus was gay um i like farting in public um i want to drink breast milk like these are dumb thoughts that i just kind of had uh over the years that i jotted down and then i just went through and kind of populated them as if it was a stand-up joke and um and then they they kind of like captured an audience and people really liked them they got a lot of got a lot of love and and funny or die actually bought a few of them and um, so, yeah, I was like, okay, well, here we go. This is my niche. So I just started making those uh, a bunch. I made them for, uh, you know, many months. And then uh, and then I got into um, the film festival circuit and I kind of stopped. I, I don't want to say I stopped making them, but it got harder to make them as my time was consumed by uh, the film film market. Yeah, I mean the film festival run is is quite a bit of work to go through that those submission processes. I definitely would like to talk about that actually if if you're down uh, as far as do, going through that. Do you? So for example, I know that right now you're in the uh, midst of of uh, full time specifically. Can you talk about how many festivals have you submitted to? Like, ballpark. Oh, dude. I mean, for full time, I think I counted yesterday. I want to say it was like 70, 60 or seventy. Wow. I submitted but here's the thing too like i you can get i just found this out actually but you can get um you can get film festival consultants that will do it all for you hmm. um and they will use uh a lot of like tactics to like at least get it in front of the person who makes the decision because there's so many things that happen on the ground level of like film festival filtration like the programming so it like Sometimes it gets to people who are just like initial screeners and they're like some young whatever that they don't really know what they're, you know, they, they could easily skip on, out on, on a film that would be a great program uh, choice for their festival. But and then by the time it gets to like the, the head person, it's like they, that film's not even in the stack anymore. Mm -hmm. So anyway, film festival programmers, I think that that's a great way to go because they'll strategize for you too, like where your film will get in, like what angle you can use and, and uh, they know what every festival is programming that year. Like it could be focusing, this festival could be focusing on uh, Latino or this one LGBTQ or this one like women or this one Asians. Like 
you know, they have all these different things that for some reason they're focusing on this. Um, or it's like dark comedy, like, a, you know, broad concept of, of just like dark comedy or action or whatever, like they know where to put your film because they, that's their life. So, um, uh, yeah, I probably would not have submitted to that many film festivals if I had a film festival consultant for full time. Um, but, uh, uh, I, I, I have one now I'm, 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 I'm talking to one now. Um, but anyway, so you don't need to submit to that many, but I did that. And I mean, I got like 16 this year wow. from, from, uh, from that. And yeah, I'm, I'm happy with what's going on. I think it's got like a really good response. I've got some good meetings out of it. I've got some good, uh, yeah. So, um, to me, that's like, that's my experience this year with film festivals anyway. It, yeah. And also want to make a note, I, cause I, if, Correct me if I'm wrong, but I think you think you got into the Bushwick uh, Film Festival, right? Uh, full time, got into that one. It did. It just played there. That's amazing. Um, yeah. Uh, so like... I, I, in fact, I actually uh, interviewed uh, Quaybe, uh, the founder of Bushwick Film Festival. That was. Oh, one, you did. Nice. Yeah. So just, uh, just uh, before, so she's, I noticed that as is. well. She's so sweet. Oh, she's amazing. I, I had a, such a fun time talking to her. Yeah. So. Before you had a consultant, though, were you using like a platform or where, you know, sometimes there's pl there's platforms out there have a list of film festivals. Were you using those? Were you going out to them individually? Yeah, I mean, Film Freeway is great. I mean, that's like the standard one that everyone uses. Mm -hmm. because it's the best. Um, and uh, so I use Film Freeway and they make it so easy to submit that, I mean, I would just submit i would spend lots of money every every month um just not even knowing that i'm spending it because they make it so easy and like but then that that made it so that i got into a good amount of stuff as well um but yeah so i'm i'm like uh um really i'm a big user of film freeway um and uh sorry was that your question yeah and also too i was curious because you mentioned about the submission feat specifically and i know there are sometimes there's two sides of that, right? There's, is it worth it to, you know, to spend, because, you know, you can imagine on the other side, if they're getting hundred, you know, so many submissions, sometimes they use the submission feed to help filter that down a bit, because otherwise it just takes too much time for them to review all this, these films that are coming in. So, but on the other side, right, is that I can understand where, you know, those expenses can add up, even if it's, you know, 20, 30, 40, $50, if you're doing for every single, you know, for more, several submissions, that can get quite costly as well. So, what what are your thoughts, especially in the beginning? Where you know, do were you, you know, paying the submission fees, or were you going for the ones that didn't have any submission fees? Was that a factor? Well, there's like no film festivals that are free submissions, but uh, but I, uh, I mean, was it a factor? You know, it got to a certain point where I was like, okay, I I'm spending a lot of fucking money on this on these submission fees, and uh, what happens when you start playing a lot of festivals? Uh, you start getting invited to other ones for free. Um, that's when they waive the festival fee and they give you like a code that you type in. Um, but you play at a festival and sometimes those programmers are there or, or programs for, oh my God, programmers from other film festivals that, um, that are there to, to help program their, their festival. So they'll just, they'll see your film and they go, oh my God, that would play great in my, uh, this festival I'm doing. So I've got some invites that way. Um. But uh, no, I mean, for the most part, I just pay the, I just pay the fee. <laughs> um, but, uh, you know, I think, I think, I think it's smart to get a film festival consultant because that's when you're not blindly thinking like, oh, just submit to this random thing that looks really great. And it's an Oscar qualifier and it's been a festival for 60 years. Like if you have a film that's like not like a film festival consultant will tell you you're not getting in there. Don't submit. Mm -hmm. So there you just say 50 bucks, like, you know, so that will happen. And if that happens enough, then, you know, you saved a bunch of money. Um, so yeah, it's better to not pull up the slot machine and, and get a consultant, but, um, yeah. So let's talk about, let's talk about more about full-time. Can you talk a little bit about, uh, behind the scenes of the, you know, I, I know it's right now going through the, the festival circuit, but can you talk a little bit about the premise of full-time and how that came about um yeah full-time uh i mean it's kind of just a joke <laughs> that i that i would do with my friends where i would just tell them like yeah i'm going to the box which is like a cubicle i used to work in 
And uh, it, it was just kind of a fun thing to say, like, oh, you got the box tomorrow. And that just means, are you going to your day job? And don't get me wrong, I actually like that day job a lot. I think about it sometimes. But it wasn't what I wanted to do. And it was, it was a, there was a, some, sometimes it was like this, uh, every, very young environments. And it, it didn't feel professional, like I wanted film to feel. Anyway, so, um, uh, yeah, it was just a kind of a joke that was like, you go into the box. So what the film is about is about a, a young skateboarder that gets offered a job to stand in a square uh, for money. And, uh, and then he gets offered a full-time job to, to stand in the square for money. And uh, the longer he stands there, the more he gets paid. And uh, his life starts to pass him by. His friends move on and he can't, you know, help others. And he he's just kind of trapped making money, um, you know, these golden handcuffs. And uh, so I just I kind of wanted to simplify what everyone does in the world. Uh, we all are in our own square. And sometimes you kind of don't you're blinded by it. And you don't know that you're in a square until you get out and realize how free it feels. Now, I don't really have a solution to getting out of the square if you have to be in it. But I'll tell you that when you can, if you can make what you do in your square something you really love, truly, uh, it's going to feel like a much bigger square. And the truth is, you're always going to be in some sort of square whether it's it's just rules that's just the rules of life is you're always going to be a square um and uh you know there's no way of getting around it what you can control is what you do in the square and what you do when you're outside of the square and yeah that's so that's what the film's about it's about standing in a square for money <laughs> it, and i i love that concept because i think that rings true for for so many reasons. And I, and I agree with you that we all have our own square that of our perspectives on, on things, but also what we just do in our daily lives. And some are just profoundly happy about where they're, where they're at or, or profoundly satisfied for the square that they're in. And that's fantastic. I mean, <laughs> kudos to you. If that, if that, if you're in yours, if you're in your space and you're, you're super happy, then you know, so that's amazing. Yeah. But if you are, if you don't feel uh, fulfilled or satisfied, and if you don't feel, you know, or you're not happy, is that that realization that you are in this square and that you find the, and then discovering what is outside of that square or find ways to expand that square. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I know for myself personally, coming from, you know, I was originally born and raised in New York uh, on Long Island. And I, I loved, I had a wonderful, wonderful childhood, amazing family, amazing friends that are out there. But I still felt like that there was something missing. And my I was about fifth, uh, 14, 15 at the time. And my family decided that we wanted to move out to Arizona. And we didn't know anybody in Arizona. We didn't you know there was nothing out there except for that fact that we we were vacationing there. And we just loved it. We loved the lifestyle. We loved the weather. We loved everything about it. And we realized that we wanted a change. And so in this case, we actually went outside of our square and moved to Arizona without nobody knowing anyone. And I got to tell you that it was so beneficial for myself because I'm naturally an introverted person and it forced me to get out of my shell and to make new friends and to experience different things. And I've discovered so many incredible cultures and you know, different and, and people's histories that are very different because especially in the East coast, usually you, you have for the most part, very traditional families and, you know, having people from, you know, that are from, you know, from Arizona, most people are not actually from Arizona. Most people moved to Arizona. So I was really? meeting people from all over the country or all over the world, rather, that have all these different types of, you know, come from all different types of backgrounds. And where just, in Arizona did you live? Uh, Scottsdale. Okay. I got friends in Prescott. Oh, very nice. I, I've been to Prescott before. It's it's beautiful up there. So a great yeah. way when it's, when it's when it's the summertime here, it's a great way to get out of the heat for sure. And it's not mm. that far away. Nice. So, but I think that it was both. Go, I feel that it was going outside of the square, but also expanding the square, too, because now it's expanding 
my relationships and expanding my perspectives on things. And that not only was it beneficial for myself, but it also helped me form stronger relationships with not just the people that I met, but also with the people back home, because now I can yeah. you know connect with them in, in different types of ways. So I think that just rings truth to people in all kinds of different ways. Yeah. I mean, personally, what it was really about and why I made it when I made it was because I did feel like I was in this comfortable box in LA because I'm from LA. And then I, I moved to New York and that was me stepping outside of my box. That was me d taking a risk and being really, really uncomfortable and leaving all of my friends and everything I had built for the last 10 years. And, and seeing what else, seeing what else and expanding. And honestly, being here, I, it just, it just opened me up so much. Like there was so much, I was just lit up by uh, every corner, like inspired me. And like, I know a lot of people say that, but like, you know, I had been here before that and, and, and it just, it just kind of felt like a, a place where my, my brain uh, could benefit from creatively. And yeah, so, I mean, the film is, is really about me and what, it, you know, me being in LA and me, the, and by the way, this is like not directly said in the film, just saying this because we're on a podcast and, yeah. you know, this is the insight. And so personally, it's really about me leaving, leaving LA and moving to New York and the freedom I felt when I moved to New York and uh, being this, you know, more, way more independent person um, and not reliant on my systems that I had built and just ex completely exploding all of them and, and moving and having to create new ones. And that's really what the film's about. You know, I tell a lot of people that it's about a day job, but, um, and it is, but um, that's a direct metaphor, but the personal metaphor is, is, is me moving. Um, yeah. So we can start wrapping things up here. I do have a couple of, of just fun questions we're going to talk about to kind of uh, end this interview. Uh, the first one is, what is one movie that you never get tired of watching? <laughs> Magnolia. Okay, uh, <laughs> fair. <laughs> yeah, I, I love, I think that movie uh, just moves so well. The filmmaking, the camera design, everything is like so, is so, I just feel close with it. I probably watched it 50 times. There's also a very wonderful uh, uh, behind the scenes sort of documentary thing um and it's like 45 minutes long and it just it brings you through the whole journey and 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 how it goes and to make something like that and um yeah that movie just really is is close to me and i love watching it um when i'm when i'm alone um it's hard to put that movie on with friends <laughs> people don't want to watch that movie and if they want to watch that movie, they want to watch like a clip or they want to watch like half of it. It's a beast. It's, it's like three hours and 15 minutes. Um, but uh, but I love that movie. I also really, really, I don't know why this film, and I think it does a lot of people in my generation, but I, uh, Scott Pilgrim, that's like, that movie for me is just, it makes me feel so good. That's like- I love my, that movie so much. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That movie for me is just this like, really uh it's, it's it's like a dose of endorphins that makes me feel good and it's the movie does exactly what my brain wants it to do when it when it happens this is so 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 good whatever i get right was was smoking during that it was it was, it was perfect um that but, I mean, we could go on for, for such a long time with scott pilgrim I, it's one of my favorite films edgar wright's one of my favorite directors and yeah. i mean it was everything about the the wit the editing, the, you know, the, the action, the story, everything about it. I mean, I'm a gamer, so it hit all the right notes oh, on, yeah. on, on being a gamer. Uh, I'm in the music industry and I got to tell you, it's most probably the most historic, historically accurate films when it comes to how the music industry actually works, which mm. is so funny. I mean, I was cracking up on all the jokes that they had um, yeah. thing from like, you know, where it had the subtext, like, by the way, this venue is a toilet, like everything like that. I'm like, oh yeah, that's literally how it's like, that's literally it. So yeah. uh, it's, it's, it's definitely at least top 20, if not top 10 films for me, for sure. I think so. I think me too. And like, I, I, 
the other movies for me are like I love like Boyhood is just kind of like a dose of life that it feels like it extends every time I watch that movie it feels like it extends my life another year like it's just like it's just like you know like in video games you get a one-up like I feel like I just that movie gives me one-ups like every time I watch Boyhood um I yeah like that's that movie's like incredible I love watching that also this is a really unpopular one but I really love watching Alfie the Jude Law okay uh, 2003 movie um that movie for some reason I just I think it's so romantic and so I mean you know you watch it's not really a romance film it's like this guy being a fuckboy all around New York City and like you know being being an asshole and and a womanizer but um but I I don't know something just feels so romantic Jude Law is so fucking hot in that movie uh Marissa Tomei is so hot in that movie and it just it, and there's like an old guy in there and he's so wise and and there's these like really fantastical scenes that are like uh just just like magical like like New York moments that you want to happen in your life but probably won't you know like um soundtrack Joss Stone Mick Jagger like that's a great um I don't know. I've always loved that movie a lot. And that's a very unpopular opinion by a uh, filmmaker. I don't know. I, I might be the only filmmaker in the world that's going to say that, but um, I love, I do love that movie. It's, it's, it's definitely like a, like a vibey movie, you know? What was the last feature film that you've seen in theaters? In theaters? Um, well, I watched, uh, I watched Oppenheimer, but I don't have much to say about Oppenheimer. Um, but when, <laughs> But the last one that I saw that like moved me uh, was After Sun. That movie, that movie got under my skin. I mean, at first I was watching it like, all right, so some like, you know, young indie little filmmaker fuck is like making something pretentious. Okay, uh, let's see what you, whatever. Let's go ahead. Let me see what you're doing. And then by the middle of the movie, I was kind of moved and and I, I got into the rhythm of it. And um, and then by the end, there's just this 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 amazing, sincere fil like filmmaker choice that just put it all together for me uh, emotionally. And then I it was one of those films that like I left like feeling really feeling really good about being a filmmaker, feeling really good about being a storyteller and feeling really good about, uh, um, or rather feeling like, like shit for, for judging the film so early. But, you know, that's sort of my, my process in watching a lot of new stuff is like, okay, all right, let's see what, let's see what you're going to do. Are you going to copy a bunch of movies that I know? I know where you got that line. I know where you got that name. Like, you know, uh, the decoding of film is really, um, fun to do, but it's hard. It's, very easy to get complacent and and just be kind of uh uh what's the word uh bitter what i forget the word jaded you know and uh i try i try to feel those feelings i mean i think it's really important as a writer to sit there and just feel your feelings and 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 realize that that's maybe not who you really are but it's okay you your body's doing this so just just let it feel let yourself feel it and then, and then, then later, don't talk about, don't talk about the fact that you were an asshole, uh, and you're and just judging a movie by its first, like, you know, 15 minutes. Um, but no, after sun, I mean, I rated it very high on Letterboxd. So, <laughs> um, it was great. It was, it was a really good movie. If you were only able to give one piece of advice to an aspiring filmmaker, what would that one piece of advice be? make sure you write all the time and don't forget to go live life because that's where you get a lot of material. Um, I think, I think if you sit down and write so many people, so many filmmakers, so many creatives have ideas and they don't sit there and write them and expound on them. And you don't realize that if you're someone who would notice a good idea, you're probably someone who can expound and write into that idea. I mean, everyone has a history in the past and they have influences and whatever that they're maybe even unaware of. But it, you will not write it if you don't fucking write it. Like, I don't, you know, it's so easy to sit there and say, I have this idea that I've been thinking about for like five years. And you're like, homie, write it down. Like so many times I get filmmakers that are like, hey, um, 
I have this, uh, this idea I want to run by you. And, and uh, I'll be like, well, send me a script. Like, don't like you're wasting my, both of our, both of our time. If you're just going to spout out some idea and never do it. Like, at least if you wrote it, then I can give you notes on something. But if you just have just, here's the thing. If like you have an idea and then you go to outline it, there you realize there's so much you don't know about your idea until you write the outline. Then once you go to write the script, you realize there's way more that you don't know about your idea that you have to write. So when you share an idea with somebody that you may not do, you are wasting their time because you are going to make them fill it in for you in that conversation. Now, obviously, this is like a I say this being like, I would do this for my friends, but uh, when it's like random people reaching out through email and maybe they've seen something I've done and they have like an idea and it's just like two sentences and I'm like, I don't know what you want me to do with this. Like, there's so much more you need to say <laughs> than, than just this. So, um, and that, and I totally understand where they're coming from. Where they're, under, where they're coming from is they don't know what to do with the idea. And so this is why I'm saying this piece of advice. If you have an idea, just go write about it two hours a week, three hours a week, find time, figure it out, write down a page. And if you don't know what to write, just write like, write something that's bad. Like don't worry about it being bad. And, but if you keep doing it, you will eventually have a fleshed out idea. That is just how progress works. And I think that people are so scared of like, well, what if I write and like nothing comes out? It's like, it will come out. What if you write down and write about what you're doing right now? What if you write down and what if, what if you write down just what you're going to eat today? Like these things, like as long as you have this perspective of, of your project, your concept, and you are committed to it, you will write down something you can use in your project. Um, so that's what I would say. Just make sure that you're writing a lot because yeah, no one's going to take you seriously if you just like how you're the guy that like has ideas uh, at the bar uh, every now and then, uh, but they will take you seriously if you hand them a script and go, look what I wrote. Like that is, that is a very big difference. You're 80% further than, than everyone else out there. If you have that. That's great advice. Well, thank you so, so much, John, for being on the podcast. Really appreciate it. Good luck with everything going on with full time. I'm so excited for you. Congratulations on everything that's been done so far. And, uh, yeah, wish you the best of luck moving forward. Thank you. Thank you. That that flew by. I didn't even feel that. Thank you so much for listening to Creatives Prevail. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with others or leave us a review. They are an immense help. Now go out there and make something happen.